Hi, I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, and we're joined here by Comptroller Candidate Michael Faulkner. Thanks for being here. Ben, Jared, it's a pleasure. Uh, so for those that are tuning in, you're running for Comptroller, Republican line. Do you have any other ballot lines? Uh, reformed, conservative, and stop de Blasio. There you go. Okay. And, so and it was nominated also by the Independent okay. Party, but they didn't... It didn't work out. Didn't work out. Okay. Yeah. But you'll be on several ballot lines. Right. So you're running for controller. Now, tell us, tell the listeners sort of who you are and how you got, you know, to this point, your background a little bit. Sure. Uh, grew up in Washington, D.C., went to Virginia Tech on a football scholarship, and, you know, actually played four years at Virginia Tech or started four years there, and came to New York in 1981 to try out for the New York Jets and fell in love with New York City. And you played for the Jets. I played for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I played for the Jets for one year, NFL, not for long. Yeah. And it wasn't for very long, but yeah. I had a I had a, a leg injury that, uh, you know, really ended that career. But I had my college degree, so uh, I went back to Virginia Tech, got my master's degree, then worked at Liberty University for three years, um, rose to the level of vice president. And really enjoyed that, but I felt the longing in me to come back and, and serve the city that I love and came back, uh, leaving Liberty University, came back in 1988 to uh, run a soup kitchen in Times Square. And you've been in the city since? Ever since, yep. And uh, tell us just a little bit more about since 88, so you've been in the city for yeah, a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pastoral ministry, you know, I ran a soup kitchen. Uh, pastor number churches. So my primary occupation has been in pastoral ministry for the you know for 28 years, and I've had several businesses and several not-for-profits that I've also started. I probably started like four or five not-for-profits, and and um, currently uh, you know still president of the Institute for Leadership, and it's not doing much right now. But we ran a diabetes program, statewide diabetes program, diabetes prevention and management program, done after school programs, probably almost every area of social need in the city I've touched on or been involved with. Um, I was the uh, chairman for the HIV AIDS advisory task force for the Board of Education back in the 90s. Uh, my wife has worked with uh, you know, drug addicts or uh, drug treatment facilities and, and, and or uh, people that uh, were, you know, AIDS patients and so forth. So we, we have collectively kind of run the gamut of all the, you know, uh, social, social concerns, social needs of, of the city. So you have run for office at least once before as a Republican. Talk to us about your politics. How do you describe your ideology and, and what kind of a Republican are you? Okay, that's a great question. I love that. Uh, I am a proud Frederick Douglass Republican, which means I go back to my my party allegiance is not necessarily allegiance to the party per se, but to a philosophy that was the founding of the party. Many people don't know that Frederick Douglass was one of the founders of the party and the party was started for us by us. You know, in other words, uh, you know, the whole idea of, ab uh, you know, abolition, it was an abolitionist party. And so I go back to Frederick Douglass and his philosophy of smaller government, individual responsibility, self-determination, and that, that kind of leads us in constitutional, 
you know, um, um, you know, at least adheres to the Constitution, strict constitutional observance. And so I'm a small government, um, you know, conservative. I, uh, on, on social issues, I'm a New Yorker. You know, I, I just put it that way. I live in the city. I love the city. I love the diversity of the city. So I'm not trying to change the landscape by fighting cultural wars in New York City. I love New York City. That's why I want to serve here. But fiscally, we have to be able to manage things differently. And I approach everything from the standpoint of, you know, as, a, as an African-American, I do, and especially now, and I know this isn't what you asked, but one of the hot topics of today that we're talking about, everybody in America is talking about race. And I still go back to Frederick Douglass and his philosophy of, you know, that, that he was asked a great question after the end of the Civil War, what are we going to do with the Negroes? It was the great Negro question. He said, do nothing with them. He said, leave them alone. He said, it, it's because of your mischief that they are in the situation that they are in. He said, if an apple falls from the tree before it's ripened, it falls to the ground and it rots. He said, if it ripens, it's picked at its moment of, of the, you know, it's, it's best, at its best. I share that, that passion for let my people go. I think big government solutions has crippled my, this generation of my folk. And I, 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 I want to see us free from the dependency on government and free from the, the, the weapon of white guilt. I'm tired of, you know, saying, oh, racism, 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 and blaming historic and systemic racism for every problem and woe that we have. I'm sorry. My, my family, my ancestors, and everybody came through the Middle Passage. We came through slavery. We came through Jim Crow. Dignity intact. Families intact. And it wasn't until this great society that we began somehow, somehow now should things have changed absolutely civil rights legislation was absolutely essential it was absolutely essential including some of the affirmative action pieces to that civil rights legislation i'm not saying that was unnecessary however what i am saying and nor am i saying that the that the the playing field is leveled but i'm saying we've got to get past blaming white people or America for the problems and the struggles that we have as an African-American community. Talk about what brings you uh, to this race. You explored running for mayor, right. you know, running for comptroller. Uh, perhaps that's because you determined that job has better hours or better view from the <laughs> Someone might Well, might not suspect. Well, not this, this mayor. According to this mayor's hours, I would love these hours. I mean, come uh, in at 11, take a nap at 1, and, you know, then uh, the rest of the day you spend the, the evening at the bar uh, doing campaigning. But So talk about your decision to seek this office right. and what you what your vision for comptroller is. What do you think the purpose of that, that role is? Well, I, I, you know, obviously the, the office is the fiscal watchdog or the, the the city CFO and what the, the biggest crisis that we have in New York City right now is the affordability crisis and we need to make things more affordable for all New Yorkers 
especially the middle class, to keep them here and to draw more middle class folk in and to create from the underclass a middle class. That's going to take, and New York has always been that place. It wasn't until the last 30, 40 years that we've, we began to not only shrink the middle class, but to lose them. New York has always been a place that if you were willing to work hard, willing to work two and three jobs, you could move from wherever you started, you could move ahead and guarantee that your family would stay at the place where you left off. That's New York. Immigrants, doesn't matter what language, because if you're willing to work hard here in New York, it's always been culturally an opportunity, an opp a place where opportunity happens. That no longer exists. We've got to get back to that. How? By creating housing for middle class, affordable housing, create and maintain affordable housing for the middle class. We've got to make sure that, uh, that our jobs are stable here and that we create more jobs because we have hardworking people. Culturally, there are hardworking people here in New York that want to work and we've got to create opportunities for them. Now, obviously, much of this is outside the direct purview of the Comptroller. However, as a member of the executive administration, you have a voice. So my role, my vision for this office is to be a not just a fiscal watchdog that, you know, issues audited reports and, you know, uh, uh, balance sheets as the present Comptroller does. I want to be a vigorous watchdog watching the city's finances, making sure and, and providing integrity and honesty with, with this full disclosure on everything that's happening. That doesn't happen now, okay? And in, in addition to, to, to the full disclosure, providing the vision for moving forward. I am a visionary leader. So when there's a problem a problem or a financial crisis or and we, we indeed we we are in the midst of the affordability crisis and everybody seems to be lulled to sleep or not everybody the administration continues to spin the story jobs are up this is up da 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 but we are only a hiccup away because we're 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 spending everything we earn now. We're not saving nearly enough, and everybody knows it, but we're not focusing on it. If there's a hiccup in the market, a serious hiccup or adjustment in the market, we won't be okay like we were in 2008. Because in 2008 we had Michael Bloomberg. Say what you want to say about Michael Bloomberg, he saved money. He saved. He he spent a lot of money, but he also was able to put aside city savings so so that we had as a city money put away for those rainy days because he's just uh, i, I want to keep going with broader mm -hmm. questions but on that front i mean there are billions of dollars that the city has put aside i mean your your contention is it's not enough oh it's it's definitely not enough i mean you know all the ratings that we have tell us that it's not enough uh, right now, we should we should have approximately seven billion dollars put aside in 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 our savings, approximately, give or take. And I think somewhere now we're probably at three and a half billion that's 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 there. And that even you know, the, the, our mayor has spent an enormous amount of money, and the way that they have tracked the budget, we are rating is actually we were rated by the Financial Times 
as being the city's second most likely to go bankrupt should there be a major adjustment in the market. And uh, gonna have to we, look that up. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure you will. Because I do. I mean, yeah. the credit rating agencies have mostly given the city good marks. The I mean, Moody's uh, and but let, let's mm -hmm. okay. Without me getting out of my depth, credit agencies. I mean, has their credibility like really come back? I mean, come on. Let's 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 keep it real. Uh, however. Fundamentally, the city is sound. Why? Because it's New York. Okay? It, it, it's going to take, yes, it's going to take a lot. I'm talking about building for the future. I'm not just talking about today or tomorrow. I'm not some doomsday prophet that's saying, oh, if I'm not elected, you know, the city's going to go, you know, no. But, but the haves and the have-nots, the gap is growing. That's a fact. Education. We're underperforming and we're spending, we are outspending our, we're, we're spending more and getting less in results. Two major issues I'll point to, education and homelessness. Those are just two examples. Education, we're spending more, we're getting less in terms of the, the you know, the, the way, the outcomes of uh, the, the, our graduates. It's not what nearly what it should be. They're not competing for the, in the workforce. We're not producing a workforce with a high school diploma in New York. That's bad. I want to ask you a question. As an uh, ordained minister, you obviously are familiar with thinking of the world in, in moral terms. And there's an area where in the comptroller's duty to oversee the city's pensions, there's sometimes a tension between moral obligations and fiduciary responsibilities. That's when it comes to the issue of divestment and stocks the city should or should not hold. How will you approach questions like that, whether it's about fossil fuels or guns or um, any other number of products or potential investments the city has, make money for the retirees, shore up that system, raise questions about morals and ethics on the other hand. How will you approach that? I think that there's plenty of room, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think there's plenty of room for, uh, for morality and investment. I, I, I agree with much of what the city has divested from, with much, not all, okay? Um, what don't you agree with? Uh, you know, the, the whole issue of private prisons, okay? You know, it, it, it's like we, we you know, the, the present controller made a big issue of this, made a big to-do of the, the private pri prison divestment as if we had, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on the exact number of dollars that we had. I don't think it was a high number of dollars, but I do know it was a great rate of return. Now, mass incarceration is real. It happens. It's bad. We've got to change it. So the divestiture was so that we would no longer contribute to mass incarceration. Yet we've still got laws, and we, we're talking about, uh, you know, Rikers Island. If we want to fix mass incarceration in New York City, fix our court systems, the backlog of courts and judges and so forth. There, there are many other things that we can do to fix that system. Um, you know, before, let me back up to what I was saying before, I said the, the areas that were, were education and um, um, homelessness. homelessness. And, and in area of homelessness, we spend approximately $40,000 per year per homeless person that are in our shelter system. Uh, our present controller was asked by the governor to uh, look into the homelessness, you know, to, to um, it wasn't to audit. 
it was to actually do an investigation of, of our homeless shelter situations. And he came back a few weeks afterwards and said, uh, you know, well, you know, it's not my job. You know, I, you know, I did do the audits. I'll do more than the audit. I'll go in. I'll inspect, do an inspection. I'll do an actual physical inspection of the, of the shelters. I'll look at and see and I'll say, okay, these dollars are being spent on X. Do we have X? Do, do a personal, and you, you can't do that with everything, but in a, in a place, in a situation where homelessness continues to, to escalate, and uh, you've you got to fix the problem, you've got to stop the leak, but then you've got to mop up the water. So, so in stopping the, the, the in, in mopping up the water, that's one thing, that the shelter system, but then you've got to say, well, what's the co contributor to homelessness? I want to be part of that conversation. So the kind of controller that I will be is one who is going to be an activist involved in the decisions that are being made by city council. I will be testifying. I will be helping. I will be assisting in legislation as part of the process in addition to managing and overseeing the 750 lawyers and accountants that currently keep our city's books. So let's connect a few of these dots here. Um, you, you were talking about your philosophy and um, you want to see, and this is obviously not just the city, nationally, internationally, sort of getting past these cries of racism and white guilt and the things you said earlier. Racism exists, Ben. Right, right. It, it, it does exist. I'm not saying it doesn't no, exist. I heard you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, but, but, get it, but as you said, sort of... Um, what are we getting doing out now? Of the way right. in in certain ways. So that's what I want to. You know, you you sort of, you said that is a, a broader philosophy. Right. Then you talk about the city spending too much, and in some cases, spending too much and not getting enough return. So go a little further there. What is it? Sort of your contention that a lot of the programs that the city has grown under this mayor and this administration and the city council, et cetera. Um, are actually detrimental to the folks that they're trying to help, you know, whether it's welfare reform or uh, lawyers for people facing eviction or some of those things. Has the sort of welfare state grown too large in New York City and you want to chop away at that both for fiscal reasons and social reasons? Great question, and I'll answer it this way. I don't want to chop away at the welfare state. I'll say that categorically because that will hurt people. And I don't want to hurt New Yorkers. I do want to bring it in control, which means you manage it better. You make sure that the contracts are tight and you oversee the expenditures. And you try to figure out better ways before throwing more money at a problem. Our mayor's never met a problem that he didn't throw money at to try to solve. And I'm sorry, throwing money at it, I, I, I agree with privatizing more things uh, like, for instance, NYCHA. You know, NYCHA houses is one of my big pet peeves, and that will be a pet project of mine. Because, you know, we're $17 billion in the hole in terms of, of, of repairs and capital improvements necessary. Public housing, as we know it, has to change. The people who currently live there don't have a voice at the table to determine what's going to change. In the next 10 years, Public housing, as we know it, will no longer exist in the city of New York. We all know that. It can't. Why? Because the land that those that was purchased or the city set aside 80 years ago is worth <laughs> a lot more than it was worth when the city set those, those properties aside. The buildings 
have decayed and that you know so so either some of those buildings need to be torn down and rebuilt which is actually cheaper in some cases or renovated massive renovations you know not just fixed and the people who are there we need to create a social program for a pathway out of that condition of poverty if it is indeed poverty that they're living in. we need to create a pathway out we don't need to just relocate them. You see, because for generations, public housing was always a transitional stop. It was always to create the middle class. It's no longer there. It's now being used as a dumping ground for the lower class, and we pimp them, you know, that poverty. In other words, we have them in poverty. We use them for their votes. They're, the, 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 the housing is substandard, and we continue, the city continues to prosper from that How in federal subsidies and in saying, oh, it's public housing. And I'm saying this from firsthand experience. I am there every other day. And now it'll start to be every day of my calendar includes a stop in NYCHA houses. One thing you talk about on your website is the um, the imbalance between what New York City gives to the federal government in taxes and what it receives in services. You mentioned that as a major threat to the city's uh, future fiscal health. Uh, I'm curious what you think a comptroller can, can do about that, and how do you think the current or emerging federal debate about potential tax reform might impact that for better or worse? I, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I actually had a conversation with Senator uh, Senator Lindsey. I mean, I'm sorry, Senator Graham. Senator Lindsey. We call him Lindsey, Lindsey too, Lindsey. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, Senator Graham about that. And he understands the balance of payment deficits is very simple. Simple. We $117 billion is collected from New Yorkers in federal tax income, income tax. $161 billion dollars comes back to New York in goods and services, leaving $56 billion difference. If we could get back just half of that, let's just split the difference and say just half. Can you imagine what we could do with our unfunded priorities if we could get back just $25 billion of the $56 billion that goes to wherever? We don't decide where it goes, but it's our money. If it's taxed here, it should be spent here. New Yorkers are generous, and we don't mind giving a little bit to help the rest of the country out, but really, so much? We are the heaviest taxed municipality in the country. Now, attach that to the controller seat, and what I'll say is you have to have somebody having this conversation. So in a tax reform, you need a champion on the part of New York that really speaks to New York. If we don't have an infusion of more capital in the city... We will not be able to fix MCA, we'll not be able to fix NYCHA or address these problems seriously. Uh, our education funding is there. We spend a lot on education. Our teachers are some of the highest paid in the nation. I'm not arguing with that process. I just want more for the money. I want to see us be able to do better. I don't want to see any loss of computers or revenue due to theft or or inefficiency so we can run what we're what we're already spending we're spending let's make it more efficient and more operational but the balance of payment deficit is definitely a way to fund our unfunded priorities i can be that champion and pound on that bully pulpit to make sure 
that we are heard in Washington and we not just start the conversation, we move toward that goal. So we're going to keep you for just a few more minutes. Uh, we're, we're here with um, controller candidate Michael Faulkner running on several lines, most prominently the, the Republican line for controller. Um, so one of the things you just said, and I want to bring it back to sort of your race, your election, you're trying to unseat an incumbent, Scott Stringer. You've referenced him a few times, you know, saying the current controller. Um, one thing you just mentioned was about, um, you know, missing laptops, right? And we know that because of his audit. Right, right. So right. we'll give him credit for at least that. Um, but a lot of people have sort of been, I think, impressed with the extent to which Stringer has gone after the de Blasio administration. Some people say there were political motives about that. He was thinking about challenging him. But have been sort of impressed with, wow, fellow Democrat, he's really sort of gone after him. Can you articulate a little bit more what your argument is for he does not deserve another four terms? And we've sort of heard your message and your vision, but why doesn't he deserve to keep his job? Uh, the mayor, you know, because of his indiscretions or decision-making process or whatever, was came under legal scrutiny you know, for, uh, for corruption investigation for campaign finances. Right, well-known fact. Uh, ran up a legal bill in excess of two million dollars. Why should the city pay for that? The sole office that has discretion over whether or not that gets paid is the controller's office. I'm sorry, that one thing in and of itself. Several of the pay-to-play um, scandals were signed off also by the controller's office. So. Being a watchdog, you know, and, 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 and listen, having 750 lawyers and accountants working for you, you're supposed to oversee and see everything that has on all the financial transactions in the city run through that office. And so picking and choosing what's safe to go after the mayor for and not safe, it should all be there. It should all be like come under scrutiny. I will. I don't care who's in office. I will manage the city's dollars. Why? Because I love the city and because that's the job. That's the gig. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so I just don't feel like that's been done vigorous enough. Uh, I've, I've looked at some of the audited reports and it's like a million here, a million there. Before long, you're talking about some real money in terms of what's mismanaged. The missing laptops, you brought it up. The missing laptops, they were missing three years ago. We're just hearing about it now. There's another thing with the school lunch, you know, the the, the, the bad the, food, bad food and poisoning. Yeah, yeah. Why, you know, why was that contract not pulled immediately? That contract, that vendor, continued to serve and continued to collect money from the city for a year after that was that was found out. That should have been immediately contract should have immediately been pulled and, and somebody replaced. So there are things like that. When you have a one party system, okay, the collusion within the party is inevitable. And we need a two party system. We need to benefit from a truly objective controller. I will be an objective controller that will work for the people. Not for any political party. Does that, does that mean you, you think that the mayor is going to defeat Nicole Maliotakis? Or uh, just are you, do you have a favorite in that race? <laughs> we'll take your side. We'll move on. 
So I want to ask a question related to your experience as a football player, which I know was just a, a part of your life in, in the relatively distant past. I'm not suggesting that's dominated your life, but because there are a couple policy issues that have brushed against the NFL in recent days and years. One is about the, the risk that we've learned about, about um, head injuries mm. in the sport. And, you know, New York City, if you were comptroller, you'd be responsible for ensuring the city's financial health. New York City supports a lot of football programs and its schools. It allows tackle football with helmets and pads to be played in its parks. Um, I guess two questions on that. One, personally, do you have any concerns about your own health, given what we've found out about what happens to folks who played a lot of football? And two, do you think the city needs to examine, I mean, I love football, I would rather not go away, whether or not it is responsible from a health or a financial standpoint to continue permitting football to be played on its property. I think football is safer now than it's ever been. I think uh, it's, it's certainly a healthy sport for young people to play. I would have no problem with my son or daughter playing football. Uh, currently now with the rules and the equipment that we have now, it's it's really really safe and the fields that they're playing on most of them astro turf fields and they're scientific astro turf so the the injuries are so much less or better head injury that happens but at the higher levels and the reason i'm saying that is because the 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 simple simple physics of the game you have bigger bodies moving at a faster speed and so your impact your collision is 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 higher and uh yeah it, it it it's risky but i'm watching the way that the games are played now the way practices are handled the, it's a totally different game from the one i played in college in terms of the the, the risk factor so the risk factors have gone way way down i think it's a healthy sport i think all sports are good and healthy for uh, you know for young people to play and so i would certainly support that uh, to the degree that the city could continue to support it and and encourage outside, uh, you know, uh, you know, not for profits to get involved in funding and helping to to fund that program, those programs. And last one for me, and and uh, we'll wrap it there, I guess. Um, a lot of uh, the mayoral race, the mayor is trying to sort of attach Donald Trump, President Trump, to. His Republican opponent, Nicole Malatakis, who we didn't talk about a moment ago, but um, uh, you've been a, a vocal supporter of President Trump. Will you explain a little bit about where you're at with that? And you know, I we haven't asked you about it this thus far in the interview because the role of controller is not necessarily about that. But right. I think politically, people are interested in this and it matters to people. So, w where are you at in your support for him, and how would you describe it? I voted for Donald Trump. He's the president of the United States. If I had it to do it all over again, I'd vote for him again, <laughs> given the choices we had. Has he done some things that I disagree with? Oh, absolutely. Has he said some things that have embarrassed me? Yes. But he's still the president, and our nation is still better off with him than we would have been without him. Now, we've got a long way to go. I plan to work with the White House and his administration to help all of New York. I am not a Trumpkin. I do not lockstep look at Donald Trump. He's the president. He's not God. He's not Jesus. I'm not, you know, I'm not there. He is the chief executive officer of the United States of America. I voted for Barack Obama. I loved him. I disagreed with things that he did. But I, I liked 
you know, the, 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 the kind of the cultural climate that he created. There's pluses and balances in, in all of this. I am a New Yorker. I will not allow any politician to attach me to anything that's going on there and get a pass for what they haven't done in four years. Okay, to try to put the scare tactic, uh, use a scare tactic, oh, he supported Donald Trump. Please give me a break. We are not that stupid. I campaign, I work on behalf of the black community, the African-American community in Brooklyn, in Bronx, Manhattan, all over throughout the city. And they don't care that I'm a Republican. What they care about is that I show up and that I know the issues that, that affects them. That's not going to change. In, actual, in actuality, some of the things that we're talking about uh, are very, very important to them and extremely important to them. So I will not allow myself to be pushed into a box by somebody calling me a name or attaching me to somebody that's unpopular. It's great. It's great politics. But I will expose it as a ploy to cover up their own uh, mismanagement, uh, corruption, inabilities to, to, to get things done. New Yorkers, at the end of the day, want better government. We, wanna, we want to, and what, what has happened for all, far too long, we've been lulled to sleep, and so we, we kind of go on autopilot. And it's, it's, it's so unfortunate that we're New Yorkers, we're so busy, we don't pay enough attention to what is happening in our elected offices. We just really don't. I mean, our voter turnout is one of the lowest of, of any city. Considering that the amount of taxes we pay, it's, it's like, hello, let's focus and let's pay attention. I think that's the perfect place to leave it, considering we're trying to get people to pay more attention and <laughs> yes, uh, get yes. people out to vote. So, uh, Michael Faulkner... Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you.